Now, Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. And a very good Sunday morning to you. I'm Ali Bally. Welcome to Scotland's Talking. On the programme today, after Glasgow slapped a ban on sectarian marches this weekend, I'm asking, is it time to get them off the streets for good? Us as political leaders have a responsibility to make sure that we are sending out the right message. And that's why we're stepping in and saying, no, hold on a minute, this is going too far now. We'll be hearing from Tory councillor Thomas Kerr, amongst others. After the teenage killer of schoolgirl Alicia McPhail had his prison sentence cut, the father of another murder victim is telling us the justice system pays too much to the needs of the offenders. People who spend time in jail, you spend time in jail. It shouldn't be that you go to jail and then you go with your pals and you have a wee bit of fun, right? And then all of a sudden, it's every excuse possibly to get you back out in the street. Also coming up, it's a year since the V&A opened in Dundee. Do you think it's been good for the city and Scotland? We're noticing a lot of foreign visitors and everyone seems to, to love the V&A. And author Darren McCarvey replies to one of our callers who accuse him of talking down Dundee with a hard-hitting documentary on drugs. I accept any criticism that we haven't been going around pointing a camera at all the gentrification projects that are going on in Dundee, uh, but we've had enough stuff about the V&A. Scotland's talking. The phone lines are on now. 0333 2020 401. Scotland's talking. The podcast. Would you like to see marches and parades banned from the streets of Scotland? It's a big issue in Glasgow right now where the city council blocked six parades this weekend following violence clashes between loyalists and Republican groups and with police over the previous fortnight. Now, they've reached the decision after intelligence from senior officers suggested things could turn violent again. Colin Edgar is spokesman for the City Council. The law is clear you have a a right to um, march um, unless um, a properly constituted uh, committee of a council um, takes the view that uh, your um, behaviour is um, excessively disruptive to the life of the community or likely to lead to harm to individuals or harm to property. Uh, And what Police Scotland were able to present to the committee was a view that each of the parades has the potential to attract the kind of counter-protests that would lead to substantial disruption um, and would lead, therefore, to the requirement for a substantial policing presence and that that substantial policing presence would draw people away from other communities in Scotland. So the police talked about potentially drawing officers from as far away as Dundee eh, and bringing officers who were on a a rest day on from their their rest day. So so the the, the risk of disruption is is potentially really substantial, um, despite the fact that the majority of the marches that were being considered today were, were smaller in size than some of the marches we saw at the weekend. I mean, changing the law, if that's what's required, is, is never a quick process. Um, uh, so the first place that I think we want to look at is to, to really understand the concept of disruption to the life of the community, because that's there, it exists in the Act already, and to have a conversation about, about what that means uh, and, and at what point does disruption become unacceptable. Colin Edgar, spokesman for Glasgow City Council. The leader of the Conservative group is Councillor Thomas Kerr. And he's calling for all groups to be blocked from marching. 
and he told us he'd like to see a processions committee set up to decide on these issues. As his political leaders have a responsibility to make sure that we are sending out the right message um, to the people of Glasgow, and that's why we're stepping in and saying, no, hold on a minute, this is going too far now. We need to have a proper public processions committee led by someone who's going to be held responsible for the decisions that they're making. For example, if the when the orange parades come up in the July um, summer, the, the contacts would know that this is the chair of that committee. We're going to go and discuss with them exactly what it is that we want, you want us to do. Where can we march? Where can't we march? That kind of thing. It means that you've got a contact where you can speak to someone and there's real leadership coming from that. Because right now the, there's been a bubble in tension under the surface since probably you know 2017 when the priest was spat on. Since then, there's been a bubbling tension under the surface and nobody has been able to speak up and say, we need to find a way of solution, uh, finding a solution for this. I think that Govan, what happened in Govan is just the start of what could happen if we don't get this right. So I'm calling on every single group leader, Susan, Frank, Russell, and I think the Greens have two, Martin Bartos and Martha Wardrop, to get behind me and let's actually make sure that we can find a solution to this because it's incumbent on us as elected officials to take this seriously. But of course, it's not just a Glasgow issue, is it? Cities across Scotland have seen a series of independence marches which have tied up police resources. In Aberdeen, there was a row about the group it was all under one banner, yeah, refusing to pay for the extra security costs. The capital city, Edinburgh, saw all those disruptive climate change protests earlier this year. So here's the question for you this morning. Is it time to stop these events happening, banning marches of any type? anywhere? Or should we be protecting our right to protest? What do you think? A complete ban? And not just selecting that one, that one, that one, but a complete ban on marches? Or should we say, no, they have a right to protest? What are your thoughts? Give me a call, let me know. 0333 401 is the number. Repeat that again. 0333 2020 401. If you'd like to join us on Scotland's Talking this morning, it's all about opinions. And as I always say, you know, it's pointless shouting at the radio. Come on, get it off your chest, get it on the radio. O treble three, 2020 401. Jonathan, good morning. Good morning, Ali. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, it's been good, despite the overcast morning and more ch- typically chillier months. Well, we're, it's getting to that time of the year, Jonathan, you know, you get out of the house and you think, ah, oh, yes, here we go again, a little bit a little bit sharpish. Anyway, what do you think about this subject? Well, I think it's a lot controversial, really, because the idea of, oh, let's ban all parades, I mean, let's face it, you know, in this nation, in this country alone, we do have a right to protest as well as have freedom of speech as well. I mean, that's really where I stand on here. As much as I do have um, condemnation for certain groups, particularly within the religious sectors, that tend to stir up violence at times and even have counter-protesters that cause violence as well, then trying to ban a parade, because I've heard in the language of one of the police officers in discussing these marches earlier this week that they had to call it off because of threats of violence and counter-demonstrators, well, it just really kind of shows a cowardice by the police to try and protect freedom of expression at all costs. I mean, if you don't like any, as much as I don't even side with any of these uh, religious groups that do protest, but if you don't like them, then, well, just try and maybe go away from as much of them as possible. You know, that's really the main uh, controversial solution that's here. If you know they're on, stay away. That's your, your thoughts. 
I'm, yeah, I'm surprised at your comment there on the cowardice of the police. Um, surely they're looking at the resources that they have and they're talking about, you know, that this is going to tie them up. It's costing an absolute arm and a leg from a budget that they don't have. So surely that should come into it as well. If adults can't can't behave themselves on a march, which they seeming over the last few weeks can't, then then we just don't have the resources to do it. Yeah, but that doesn't give the excuse at the same time to therefore say, oh, well, let's ban all marches as well. I don't understand with the resources that the police have to spend, not just on those mar- police in those marches, but also the march for the On One Banner protests that went on in Glasgow on the 4th of May early this year. And yes, we did meet some counter-demonstrators, particularly the unionist counter-demonstrators in George Square earlier this year. Yes, there were some people that were going out of their way to hurl abuse at us. But overall, things went fine, at least when the police were there. They managed to keep things under control. That's really what we need for these kinds of parades. So your answer to this whole subject then is what? Well, my whole answer is that you know, just because a few small minorities of the public tend to go out of their way to cause trouble does not mean, therefore, the main solution to all this is to say, oh, we've got to ban all parades. Because, unfortunately, that will lead into the tiptoe of our authority in society on the other extreme men. OK, that's your opinion. That's the first one, Jonathan. Thank you for calling in. Uh, Joseph has uh, lifted the phone as well. Joseph, good morning. Hello, Ali. Good morning to you. Uh, your, your thought on this then? Well, I disagree with that first uh, caller there. That was totally out of hand there, blaming the police. What's the police got to blame for it, Ali? It's, it's their job to protect us and me and you. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I disagree even about what he was saying. We can't get in the city centre of Glasgow any time of the year, Ali. We can't enjoy ourselves because these ones that go to these marches take over the whole roads. Traffic can't get through. Buses can't do pick up passengers. Transport businesses can't get to shops and stores to deliver their goods because even one match hardly holds all the traffic up in that city centre. Why do they all want to come into the city centre and cause confusion? So where where would you rather you know you know have these marches if, well, if they were they're, to they're, go on at all? Well, they, they've got halls, Ali. They've got their halls, Ali. Why don't they say their halls? Have a march up and down the street there where they have their big halls and do it there and have a thing there and for protest. They can hire a hall and protest against the people they want to speak to, not out in the streets and causing confusion every time they go, Ali. I can't understand that why we are allowing this in this day and age to confront our people in Glasgow City and, and the people can't be friends to get into the city. You can't take the kids out to enjoy yourself because of these protests and marches. So given the question then, Joseph, is it time to stop these events happening or should we be protecting our right to protest? Where do you stand on that then? Are you saying they should be banned from, from city centres? And, and Ali, where do they want to keep getting keep get into city centres? City centres are the most prosperous place in any city or town for people to spend their money in the shops to make their money in restaurants and cafes. They don't make it when these... these, these I've seen it, I just love up for the city centre. And it's out of order, the ones that follow them and all, Ali, drunk at that time in the morning and all, Kids in prams and young girls pushing prams, shouting and bawling. And where does this all come from, Ali? It's a way back in the dark ages we're going, Ali. We're not going forward. Okay, Joseph, thanks for calling. Uh, Billy, good morning. Morning. Your thoughts, Billy? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, first and foremost, everybody has got the right to demonstrate, Ali. Mm-hmm. And my, my opinion is, I caught, caught your last caller there. What your last caller forgets to say was, 
Uh, what about the revenue these matches bring to city centres, to shops, to uh, restaurants, to whatever? And the, my final point on it was the blame actually lies within Glasgow City Council for allowing Republican marches, first and foremost. Orange marches are organised, sitting down with debriefing, told they have to walk four abreast, what have you. The Republican marches turn up, they walk whatever they want, do whatever they want, and then they carry banners, which is against the parade's code of conduct, saying you cannot uh, advertise paramilitary slogans. One, they banned the Sean McElveney band for one week and then allowed them to parade the second week, which then did cause more confusion. And that government, they carried a banner, the group claiming to have murdered a reporter and on the top of the banner had unfinished business. Now, if that's no inciting trouble, what is? So then, in 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 light of all that, and in light of the problems, um, in your view, did Glasgow City Council make the right decision this week in just, you know, stopping everything, saying let's stop here, let's let's have a look at, let's gather our thoughts, let it let it calm down a bit, and and have a look at this more seriously. No, in my, in my opinion, Glasgow City Council facilitated a, a Republican parade two weeks in a row, and then took the easy route out this week. Interesting. Thank you very much indeed, Billy. Uh, Patricia, what's your thoughts? Good morning. Good morning, Ali. You know, I'm so glad you've got this subject this morning because it totally incenses me. I'm a pensioner. I'm nearly 82 years of age. I've paid tax all my life and I'm still paying tax. And it's got to go towards these people who are trying to batter each other for the last four or five hundred years. It drives me insane. All batch marches should be banned irrespective of what side they're on. There's no no right to be disrupting the public. They really don't. But why is it in Glasgow they hate each other so much? We have to go over this. We need to do something to change the culture of the city. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it. for, for, I know it's going it, to be hard, but it takes yeah. a, a, a politician with a wee bit guts to do it. And I think the, the Glasgow Council have taken the first step. It's just because as you said there, it's been, it's been going for years, hasn't it? And to ever and ever and ever. And it's never going to stop unless some politician gets a wee bit guts and does something about it. If they want to march, put them out in a field in the middle of nowhere and let them do what they like. But really, if I was a shopkeeper in the centre of the city in these march days, I would be going off my head because they must lose a fortune because people don't go into town. Well, as Billy, as Billy said there, what about the, the money that the marchers do spend in the city centre? I mean, they, they, oh. they're, they're, they're going into shops, they're, they're going into restaurants, they're meeting, they're drinking, they're eating, so they are spending money. So are these businesses really losing money? That, that's an interesting one, but it would be good to hear from uh, a business in the city centre. Yeah, do, do you lose money or actually do you make money on these days? Well, I'd object to my tax being paid and I'm going to write to somebody about it because it really annoys me. It's so stupid in this day and age for both sides. I feel it seems to them get a grip of yourself and grow up. Well, the, the leader of the Conservative group, as I mentioned earlier, Councillor Thomas Kerr in Glasgow, he's calling for all groups to be blocked from marching. Um, do you think that's the right way to go or is that too far? Yes. No, yes, it's, it's, no it's not too far. Everybody that protests and disrupts life, they have no right to be 
doing that. They really don't. Because it's not everybody that agrees with them, so why should everybody be inconvenienced? I mean, sometimes I'm going in the bus and it, it doesn't go into town because um, it's, there's marches on. Marches so you have yeah. to get off far out of town and walk into town. That is utterly disgraceful. I don't agree with it one little bit. Patricia? I'm totally against it. Thank you very much indeed for your call this morning. Thank you. The number again is 0333-2020-401 if you'd like to join us. If you've got a comment you want to make, uh, we're talking about uh, would you like to see marches and parades banned from the streets of Scotland, not just Glasgow, from Scotland. We've talked about the, the other areas, uh, cities across Scotland that have seen a series of independence marches which have tied up police resources and have caused many people an inconvenience. Uh, Aberdeen, Edinburgh, um, Dundee, so various places. What are, what are your thoughts? Should they be banned? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. Would you like to see marches and parades banned from the streets of Scotland? That's what I'm asking at the moment. And uh, here's a comment coming in. On the Facebook page, Ali, it's time all large marches were banned, Republican, Loyalist and any other organisation, including things like Pride. I'm not homophobic, however, what and who people are in the, is their own business and doesn't need to be shoved down everyone else's throats. Ban all large marches. Kenny, uh, it's all about opinions. That's yours. Thank you. And there's one that comes in here that says um, there are not... These are not, sorry, these are not protest marches. Uh, they are opportunities for the blatant intimidation of those who are of a different belief system. Why any society encourages parades, i.e. the celebration of the killing of fellow human beings, is beyond the understanding of any civilised human being. Thank you. Uh, Fred, good morning. Good morning, Ali. How are you? Ali, uh Re-e the marches. Yes. Ali, I think probably you're quite right on... The, 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 most of the people seem to be right about time to ban marches. However, having said that, um, I notice now in Aberdeen there appears to be a lot of things happening over time with this... Uh, I believe it's an SNP-run government uh, council... And what we have, for example, we have one today, it's Leave Your Car at Home Day. Now that means Union Street is totally closed off for the whole day, and every bus has to make horrendous um, uh, redirections, so has cars. Now, the two-sided story, I would think, is they are obviously not thinking of the amount of extra pollution that's going up into the air for the sake of somebody going into maybe McDonald's or have a beer. Now, they often do this as they block off all the main streets, which affect all the buses. The, the idea of how does, like, for example, my wife has seven miles to travel to go to a care home, which she does every day for her mother, and she has no clue where to pick this bus up mm -hmm. because most buses, Union Street is the artery that lets them feed out to their different 
directions and the council just don't seem to care because they have loads of things like bike runs done Union Street. We have a huge seafront and a boulevard that we could hold these events, but they block off this every occasion and nobody, and like that woman lady caller earlier on said, she has to get off the bus halfway and walk into town. My wife can walk around in circles and she's 68 years old and she can never get the bus. Uh, so it's a problem, Ali. So you're talking. I mean, I mean, we we are talking marches here, but you've hit on the yes. Count. You've hit on the but marches also. do the same thing, Ali. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It's the same inconvenience to to people yes. like yourself and your good lady. I've no idea um, whether Aberdeen City Council consider these closures a success or not. I mean, there is somebody obviously making that decision. I mean, I, I um, you know, this pedestrianisation. Uh, all got to do with climate control and all this and emissions and things. It doesn't wash with me, that one. Um, but And I would have thought that when people talk about empty high streets, a lot of it is because they've taken atmosphere away. So to close it off um, for for events would seem strange. But, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a councillor's decision, isn't it? That's why you vote them yes, in. Yes, Ali, but I, I just really mean that all marches of any description... When they're blocking off streets, i.e. the buses in Glasgow, as the lady said, she has to get off, the buses won't go in. Similar things is happening in Aberdeen, uh, which is buses just shut down, basically, and there are no buses. Um, They can't get through anywhere. You imagine all the car traffic. So all these fumes are going up into the air of side streets where people are walking. So I just kind of imagine the common sense of the council, which I don't think they have much common sense. And the, the whole thing is it's all really badly thought out of what they're trying to achieve. OK, Fred, thank you for that. I would um, ask if there is someone uh, this morning willing to come uh, onto the programme from Aberdeen City Council. Go on, uh, tell us. I mean, Fred is, is saying there there doesn't seem to be much common sense that... Surely there is some thought gone into why you close the main artery going through the city centre. Um, it'd be good to have your view on it and maybe explain it to Fred and, and other people who are inconvenienced in the city of Aberdeen. So please, if you are uh, someone who can give us an answer to that, a councillor or whatever, then give us a call. O treble three twenty twenty four o one is the number. Stephen. Morning, Ali. How are you this fine Sunday morning? So far, I'm well. Oh, that's good. I hope, hope at the end of the programme you're even feeling better, Ali. Well, I'll just be hoping at the end of the programme I'm feeling as, <laughs> as fine as I did when I started it. And I, don't, and I don't need to go and lie down in a dark corner. Right. <laughs> What's your thoughts then? One, Ali. Nobody's actually against these marches. No, nobody's against them. I've been marching for years, doing the marches, the Highland Games, and going to the cenotaph and all that. It's a sectarian bile, and the scum is following these people. It's bringing down these marches. And what I would like to see is, it's all these non-denominal schools where it's starting from, it's to scrap that education and put everybody into the one school. But even if you've got a, a, a Catholic school for girls, I believe it's the West End here. It's the only school... Britain, seemingly. That's got to be done away with, Ali. And the police, every time the police are looking for money, it's the right they're going to be short of 50 million. Always something turns up in our streets. 
Did the man want somebody looking for the money? How many be surprised? The polls are infiltrating this army to keep us gone so they can get more money off the government. Because that's all I can see. And I was in government a couple of weeks ago on a Friday night seeing my daughter, Ali, and I came out. Yo, when I seen these people on that street, and there was only two arrests, I find that incredulous. I just don't think where all these people are coming from. And, and the people, the ladies, the gentlemen saying they're jumping buses to get into a town centre. There was 50 road closures in Glasgow for the marches. So how anybody would like to jump in a bus and go shopping is beyond me. Mm. You know there's going to be trouble in there. You know there's going to be inconvenienced. You don't need to get into the shops, are you? You just stay where you are. And the other thing I was going to say is, if these people, the Protestant, the Loyals, the Republicans, see if they want to march, why do they not hire out Hamden or get into Parkhead? Hire out Ibrox and put the religious marches into these stadiums and put all their supporters and their followers into it, are they? Let them march to their heart's content, or even go up, or even bust them. You shouldn't be in city centres when you don't see your army or your navy marching, having marching through all these town centres. You know, there is loads of things that you could do here. Yes, you can have your marches. We are going to bust you for here and into the campuses and into the campus hills. March all day. Mm. Oh, you, you're the loyalist. You're going to that stadium. Oh, you're the Republicans. You're going in there, rally. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting in the calls so far that um, you're actually uh, in the majority so far because that's what's coming out is that yeah they can have their marches but do they have to march in city centres? Can they not be marching in fields or in parks or in as you say football grounds or rent a place to go and have your march? But um, yeah, and you when you have the trouble in the streets, Ali, you when you have all this. And, and don't forget for one minute, these police are laughing all the way at the bank. The only person that's losing out here is a taxpayer. We can't fund national health, we can't fund the welfare, the mental health, we've got going to food banks. These matches are costing millions of pounds to the taxpayer, but the police are there laughing because they think of the overtime this is causing. The police don't want this to stop, Ali. Okay, thank you, Stephen. As I say, it's all about opinions. That's his. Do you agree with him? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one is the number if you'd like to join us. You can also text your thoughts to six one zero five four. Start your message with Ali. Good morning. Music and conversation. Would you like to see marches and parades banned from the streets of Scotland? That's the question I'm asking at the moment. Uh, here's a comment coming in from Robert, and he says, Robert and Greenock, how come we don't have this problem with remembrance parades? Well, remembrance parades are a parade, are they not? They're not a march, which is a wee bit of a difference, I would have thought, but just just what I thought there. Um, here's one in from Andy, and Andy said, looking at television footage the other week there of the marches that were going on and the vial that was coming from some of the mouths of young teenagers who just haven't a clue what it's all about. Surely it is the parents that are to blame for the way they're brought up. A point, thank you. Susan, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, Susan. Your point, please. Good morning. My point is, all these marches and parades have been going on for years. They will always go on, be it religious or political, football, whatever. Make the organisations that are arranging these parades financially responsible for any trouble that occurs. That would take away, hopefully, the, the taggers on, the ones that are just out to incite trouble. Hit them where it hurts, in their pocket. 
So what they should be responsible for should it maybe just be a, a, a fee to clean up the city or whatever or whatever fee, they're taking place. A fine, mm-hmm. a fee, a fine, whatever. Make the clubs and the associations that are involved with these matches, parades, demonstrations responsible for who who goes and the behaviour of them and make them take responsibility for the hangers on and the troublemakers. So are you saying then, just to get my head around this, are you saying a blanket fee to to organise uh, a march or just if there is damage afterwards? It, it could possibly be both. It could possibly mm. be both. Maybe both of them would, um, you know, ensure that they do take responsibility for any trouble or, you know, clean up or anything that's needed. But certainly um, hit them where it hurts and that's financially. More so nowadays, um, talking about costing the policing and, you know, businesses maybe losing money, businesses making money. The end of the day, it all boils down to, to the money. Mm. And and the answer to the question then, would you like to see marches and parades banned from the streets of Scotland? Um, you, you're talking about a financial penalty. Would, would you go as far as to say they should be banned or are you just going for the to pull some money in i don't think i don't think that they should be be banned and it's not about pulling the money in it's about making them responsible for the freedom to have these demonstrations marches and parades i'm just wondering my, my head's ticking away here and and i don't know if you know the answer to this susan someone will but if somebody if if a group no matter who they are whether it's an uh-huh. independence group or whether it's a whatever group that want to, to do a march through a particular area and have to go uh-huh. to the council and ask permission, do they have to pay a fee? Well, just they now, should. do they have to pay yeah, a fee? Yeah, they should, I would have I, thought. Now, that I don't know. No. But yeah, if, if they don't, perhaps they should. And it should be made more public and then people have the option to stay away from that area, be it for an hour or half an hour and it may control the length of time as well that there's certain places of cities and towns close to these marches and parades. But yeah, definitely I don't I don't think we'll ever get away from, you know, letting people express, you know, that their beliefs or, or whatever. But certainly um to to control it more and to be more for these um groups, whatever, um, to be more financially responsible. Susan, thank you very much indeed for your call. OK, keep them coming in, your calls and comments on that. We'll also be uh, uh, a little later on talking about um, asking for your, really your thoughts on the justice system. Uh, is it putting too much emphasis on the rights of the offenders? Uh, we'll be talking about that. Um, and also, going back to, uh, I don't know if you were listening to this, uh, Scotland's talking last week, but we had a caller, Eric, uh, who called in to complain about the way the city was being portrayed in a TV documentary on drugs. So we put that point to the presenter of that. Um, so we'll be asking for uh, your thoughts on that as well. That's all coming up in Scotland's Talking. So asking you the question, would you like to see marches and parades banned from the streets of Scotland? But talking there about um, just before the, the break... I was asking the question, are you asked to pay a fee if you're organising a march? And uh, one uh, comment that's come just to uh, remind me that in Aberdeen, there was a row, which I mentioned earlier, actually, about the group all under one banner, refusing to pay for the extra security costs. They were asked to pay something like £5,000. 
And if you took the amount of people they were expecting to be on that march, uh, it would work out at around about 26 pence they would need to charge each person. Um, but they didn't want to do that. So um, there's there's one thought. Here's another thought from Marlon. She says, all these marches should be banned. In my town of Port Glasgow, they have orange parades over the year and the port town gets all cordoned off to accommodate these marches and parading by churches. Just a load of bigotry and in this day and age should all be stopped. All marches should be banned. Okay, that's another tick on there. All right, uh, let's go to Carol. Hello, Carol. How are you? Morning, how about you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Your thoughts? My thoughts are here, as I said, I've been sitting here listening to all your callers, but now the thing is, I am a Ranger supporter and it's got nothing to do with football, these matches, that's to start with on either side. The other thing here they're all shouting about is the road closures. Now, the roads get closed for your 10k, they get done for whatever's going on in Glasgow for, for it's sorting the roads, whatever. So they're not losing business just for one day because of the matches. Mm-hmm. The other one I'm going to ask is, right, they want to ban all matches. Does that mean look Pride and all the different ones as well and all the local ones going to their gala days? I think that that was probably when we first started asking the question, um, Carol, at the top of there. That, yeah, that was in there, all marches, all marches from the streets and parades, yes. Well, a lot of the town, as somebody also said, is the town would lose out a, a lot of money mm-hmm. because it brings a lot of people into town, whether, whatever the march is. Somebody else mentioned about the overtime. Now, I'm not being funny. Who has not needed overtime in their life to help to pay for things? I've no problems with anybody who wants to do overtime. Yep. Uh, yep, none at all. It doesn't matter who they are. Yep, I would do, I would do like that wee bit extra in their race packet. So the person going on, it's costing them and costing the police this and that. The next thing. Everybody's looking for that wee bit of overtime. Mm-hmm. But for the marches, I'm sorry here, they can't ban something. Can't ban one and they can't ban them all if they don't ban them all. Right. Road closure's been closed as well. As I said, you know, you know Glasgow City Council at the best of time with the roads. But again, we'll get, is it the 10k next week? How many roads have been closed off then? It's a good point. It's a very good point. Carol, going to leave it there just because I'm rushing to get up to the news at the top of the hour and I want to speak to Raymond first. Carol, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Raymond, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Your point, please. I would like to see all marches banned in Glasgow. Um, I'm a disabled man and it's very difficult and it'll be difficult for all disabled people trying to get through the streets of Glasgow and the trouble it causes is unbelievable. I've been in Glasgow with my mobility scooter when the problems go on and it's horrendous. It's not safe to anyone and it's time somebody did something about it. Someone suggested that if you know that a march is going on and you mm-hmm. think that it's going to be inconvenient to you, you just stay away. Is that not just a possibility? That if you know that's happening, you don't go into the city centre or you don't go into the areas that this is taking place? Maybe so, but you shouldn't have to um, stop going out of your home because these marches are going on. Mm-hmm. OK, Raymond, again, sorry, but I've got to get to, to the news. A good point. We'll continue, of course, after the news at the top of the hour. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. This is Scotland's Talking. I'm Ali Bally. Very good morning to you. And uh, thank you very much indeed for all your comments that have been coming in regarding uh, the question I was asking in the last hour. Would you like to see marches and parades banned from the streets of Scotland if you're still just joining us? I mean, you know, I haven't had time to comment yet. That's all right. We're here with Scotland's Talking through until 12. So uh, 
plenty of time to give us your comments on any of the subjects we're talking about. And I'll try and read as many of the texts and social media comments out as possible. Can't get to them all. But uh, here's one from Kath. And uh, Kath says, The streets may be closed for other marches, such as all under one banner and for sporting uh, events. However, the atmosphere in our cities is totally different when there are sectarian marches which attract people set on causing trouble and excessive alcohol intake resulting in criminal offences. These marches focus on hatred and divisiveness and should be banned. For example, a priest being spat on and a woman being assaulted for trying to cross their ranks. Um, so uh, she's saying yes to that. Interesting that uh, I'll just say I've been ticking off people's comments as as a yes or a no and, and sort of maybes as to whether there should be a total ban on all barches. And at the moment, uh, from the calls and the social media comments that have come in, it's exactly 50-50. Uh, 50% saying yes, ban them. 50% saying no, which is uh, quite interesting. Okay. Here's one from Ian Murray. Ian says, will the independence marches also be on the table? Hmm, let's see. Thanks, Ian. Uh, Liz says, Morning, Ali. I'm not a fan of marches, but maybe that's the only way they feel they can get their point over. Yes, there will be disruptions. Maybe that's what they want, as people will see and hear what they have to say. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, I don't understand. Uh, for, oh, here we are. Just uh, press the button. That's it. I don't understand why they need to close roads, etc., for marches. Why don't they just march down the pavements and walkways? where you're meant to walk. The marches would take twice as long and not cause a problem if they obeyed the law and people may take more notice of it. Uh, Phil says, I have no objections to marches as long as they are peaceful and trouble-free. People have a right to be heard if they have a grievance about something. These marches are like a safety valve where people can blow off steam. Banning them could be viewed as an attack on democracy and free speech and make tense situation even worse. Okay, thank you for that. Right, um, we'll go on to another subject that I'm looking for your, your thoughts on. Do you think the justice system is putting too much emphasis on the rights of the offenders? The teenager who murdered schoolgirl Alicia McPhail on the Isle of Butte last summer had his minimum prison sentence cut from 27 years to 24 years on appeal. The judges said the original sentence was excessive and didn't take into account the fact that he was still technically a child. Alicia's mother hit out saying he was gaming the system and warned that Aaron Campbell would kill again when he's released. Lawyer David McKay told us the decision would not have been taken lightly. Their judgment's 21 pages and they've gone through a lot of cases in history, including the Luke Mitchell case, to determine sentence. They've not criticised the trial judge, but they felt on balance that 24 years was a fairer period to reflect not just his age, but also the possibility, however remote, of rehabilitation at a later date. He still has a number of hurdles to cross and there is no guarantee that he's going to get out in 24 years' time. He will still have to persuade the parole board at that time that he is in a position to be re rehabilitated or that he is rehabilitated and reintroduced to society. I anticipate that will probably be quite difficult given that both psychological experts who gave reports to the court uh, were unified in classifying Mr Campbell as antisocial, narcissistic, psychopathic and sadistic. 
Michael McClellan's son Craig was murdered in Paisley by a man who had cut off his electronic tag. For the last two years, Craig has been trying to find out why James Wright was not taken back to prison before he had a chance to attack. He's been speaking exclusively to our senior reporter Natalie Crawford for Scotland's Talking. My reaction is not surprised as much as I should be and I should be absolutely shocked and I am shocked. I am shocked. But there's nothing that surprises me of what is happening with the justice system at the moment in Scotland. Every single time I watch a programme on the television and a family have been let down again by the Justice Minister, there is two things it said. It's either that lessons are going to be learned or we're going to try lessons to be learned and we're going to make the system robust. So I get Every single family have ever had that. I says, but you then you then have to start fighting them to get the questions that you're asking for because they don't want to give you them. I then listened to the, the family saying that after the after the, the, his sentence, he will go in front of parole. Hey, that's that's expected, but the family won't be allowed to go. The family are not allowed to go to the parole board. Right? They're not allowed their input uh, their input to that. Right? Why is that? Why is why is that not allowed? Why are family who are absolutely devastated? This is a guy who admitted that he killed a wee girl. Right? And now our justice system can cut his his amount in in jail. Right? My son died and he was the guy was given a life sentence, right? It wasn't a life sentence. It was twenty years. It was twenty years, right? Because you don't get life sentence here. Why? Why, when you murder somebody, are you not given life? And life should be life. So is that something that you would like to see introduced in Scotland? A whole life sentence. Very much, very much, and it's a, and it's something that a lot of the Scottish public would want. People have to understand that if you cause a life, if you if you kill somebody's life, or you kill somebody, you don't, you know you just have to accept the fact that life for life, right? You're going to spend time in jail. You spend time in jail. It shouldn't be that you go to jail and then you go with your pals and you have a wee bit of fun, right? And then all of a sudden, it's every excuse possibly to get you back out in the street. I just don't. I don't agree with that, and I'm, I'm quite sure that a lot of your listeners agree with me. I'm quite sure. Michael McClelland, whose son Craig was murdered, talking there to our senior reporter, Natalie Crawford. Um, You may remember Linda has joined us uh, in the studio before. Linda MacDonald was attacked and left for dead by a murderer who'd been let out of prison on leave in Dundee. And she joins us now. Uh, Linda, good morning. Oh, good morning, Ali. Thank you very much indeed for joining us again. Um, just on, I'm, I'm just listening to what Michael was saying there, and he said life should mean life. Do you feel that? Uh, I 100% agree with uh, Michael. Um, unless you have been a victim of a crime, unless you have been in that situation, I don't think anyone really understands our justice system. I, I thought life meant life until this happened to me and my family. And I could 
totally appreciate the frustration and the upset and the life sentence victims and their families are left with. And I just feel that these killers, life should mean life. I was delighted to hear that Liam Kerr has proposed a bill um, in Parliament. It's um, whole life sentences. Now, we have this bill in England and Wales. Why do we not have it in Scotland? It just seems that Scotland have the soft approach to justice. That, like you say, 10 years, 20 years, these killers are getting let out, in my opinion, to kill again. So we have to start making an example now. We have to we have to bring victims and families first and say, like Michael said, why is it that these killers go before a parole board but victims and families are never notified? Mm. We're not updated. It's just, the system is all wrong. You're you're um, been pressing for some time for the justice system to be changed. Have you, Linda? I mean, I know it's it's, it's been a wee while now, but and uh-huh. do you do you feel let down by the justice system? I I feel totally let down, Ali. You know what I worry about? I'm a grandmother. I worry about our children. If we don't, if I don't shout now, and if I don't just speak to everyone, the TV, the radio, the I've done documentaries. I'm I'm quite a private person and a shy person at heart, mm-hmm. but I have a duty to speak out because this is from this horrible, horrific thing happening to me. I have a voice. The politicians have a duty to listen to me. I think so. I'm shouting loudest because it's he who shouts loudest that's going to actually get actions. I do know families though from being involved with Victim Support Scotland. And it's horrendous that decades on, the same type of thing keeps happening again. We're letting out these violent, really dangerous people. I've heard stories of a, a young family who, who had lost a loved one through through just a violent, evil person murdering their father, and that, and they have to move house. I mean, wh- why why have you got to go down that road that we're not protected? Um, I'm still waiting on this report, as you know, the serious case investigation, two years on. Mm-hmm. I just don't know why things are just being dragged on and dragged on. Um, I'll just speak to anyone who's willing to listen to say, please support Liam Kerr, and regardless of what your political view, don't care what party you support, this is not about politics for me. This is common sense. We need whole life sentences. We really do. We need to keep the public safe. Public should come first in the safety of public, not re- so-called rehabilitation of these really, really dangerous category killers. That's right, because, I mean, uh, just in case there are people listening um, to your story for the first time, Linda, I just I, I know yeah. I know your story, and, and, and I'm yeah, not wanting sure. to go drag you through it again, but if it hadn't been for some other people walking through uh, the area that you were being attacked in, um, it's it's highly likely that it, that yeah. you wouldn't be here today. No, I wouldn't be here today. I know that. It was two brothers, two um, gentlemen that had heard me um, at, at the time. And, I, and I, I know I've been told by the police and medical people, it's just a miracle I'm here. It really is a miracle. And I've got to say, well, why did I survive? Why have I survived this? Linda, you know what? going through the whole process of 
learning the justice system, learning what happens with victims. I was I was swept on a wave at the time of court, and I was saying, no, but he, he shouldn't have been let out. Why That's right. he let out? Yeah. Why? And, and the amount of people in Dundee that will say, he should have been never let out. Why was he let out? It's just all about this so-called horses for courses and tick a box and he's went through this system and he's done this and so-called robust management risk assessment they're not robust if 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 they were robust that wouldn't have happened and you you see i just think these prisoners they know how to these not prisoners these killers these psychopaths they know how to manipulate people in the system and they just tick a box as far as i'm concerned yeah, we we honestly uh, upset me to know that they get they go in, they get all this assessment and psychologists and psychiatrists. I had to wait six months on the NHS before I saw before, before I got help for my PTSD. You know, you're on a waiting list. It just it's, it just is all wrong. It's all about rehabilitation, rehabilitation. When are they going to realise? These people, these dangerous category killers, cannot be rehabilitated. That was horrific. What that that young family are going through. That evil monster taking away a wee girl out of bed and doing what he did. Do, how did the politicians? Why did they think they could ever change that sick, evil brain in a couple of decades? If he gets out, he'll do the same again. I think you need to make an example of these people. Definitely, and life should mean life. Linda, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the programme once Sorry, again. Sorry, I go and miss no, the that, bit. I'm that's all right. I can understand that. I can understand that. Thank it. you, Ali. Linda, thank, thank you very much indeed. Thank, thank you. Bye. So, bye-bye now. So, as Linda says, should life mean life? And indeed, uh, Michael said that as well. Whole life sentences um, is too much emphasis being put on the rights of the offenders by the, the current Scottish government. What do you think? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one is the number. Let us have your opinions. And on the phone lines now we say good morning to Janet. Hello, Janet. Good morning. Good morning. Thank um, you for your call. What do you want to say? It was just on your previous callers who had experienced great difficulty with the law. I've got so much sympathy for these people because the law always works in the favour of the criminal. And the victims don't get heard. Very little actually gets done. And they seem to wait forever to get any kind of results. I'm talking on a lower level. Luckily, you know, there was no murder or anything involved. But nothing has changed. I had five years on the run until 1987. Um, breaking and entering, Mike's husband. Breaking and entering, stealing letters, posting them back. The whole bit, nothing, absolutely nothing got done. Um, my sister saved my life twice and eventually after five years he did assault me in front of a lot of people um, I got my divorce and a lifetime protection order but nothing happened and more recently again I was assaulted a while back nothing absolutely nothing and you think no wonder people don't report a lot of crime mm. because it seriously is a waste of time Nothing happens. These criminals, for want of a better description, walk away to do it again and again and again. Life should mean life and at least some some kind of payback for the misery that these people put you through. But again, nothing gets done. 
In your in your own personal case, when you say nothing was done after the assaults, uh, nothing was done with the protection order. Um, nothing was done by whom? Who, who would you expect to the be police. the the police? The right. Police. Mm-hmm. You weren't Not getting any police. action. No, he got arrested and let go, and he got picked up and let go. Always got, got away, and the last one who who what I wasn't in a relationship with, he got away with it too. I just think the law, the the, the law system itself is atrocious. Somebody once said the law is an ass. How right they were, and those those people, the sheer horror of knowing in 20 or 10 years or your stalker's going to come out in 10 years time and start again it's it's horrific you'll always live on a tightrope I know I did I did for a long long time I lived my life on a tightrope mm-hmm. even after my protection order um, it was just to to give them a bit of support really and say keep fighting what what was fight. your what was your protection order? Supposed, I mean, it was the title of it. I was going to ask what it's supposed to do for you, but it's obviously supposed to protect you. What did you expect from it? Luckily, where where my location is, he's not allowed anywhere near, and he will be lifted if he's been spotted. But I haven't had any trouble because I've got a very good support. Well, I had a very good support network of friends who would move in on mass when he was spotted. I don't need it anymore. I really don't need that kind of protection anymore. But it leaves a legacy. No matter what you do, you always have a legacy of fear of repeat, repeat performances. I mean, stalkers, rapists. Once you've experienced that hands-on, you will never, ever get over it. You always live on a tightrope. And this is what the law system does not take on board, mm-hmm. which is very sad. It's worse if you've, you know, had a family member actually killed. You, you don't go over things like that. But I think the law really needs a tremendous shake-up. Well, my, my initial question there was, do you think the justice system is putting too much emphasis on the rights of the offenders? There's, the, oh. there's no doubt for your answer on that, Janet. Absolutely, definitely. The victim is the last person to be heard, and that needs to change. Janet, thank you very much indeed for giving us a call. Okay, then. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Um, another comment that comes in here from Phil says the news that Aaron Campbell's sentence has been reduced filled me with revulsion. It's clear that judges don't know what it's like on the outside. Yes. For those who kill children, they should never be released. Myra Henley and Ian Brady were child murderers and they died in prison. The same should apply to Aaron Campbell and to Destickable Ilk. Uh, Phil's thoughts there, thank you. Um, another one that says uh, there should be life sentences. Life should mean life. Uh, thanks for that. And a few other comments coming as well. Um, for, and, and one from Gary that says, I'm totally against prisoners only doing half their sentences. Thank you very much indeed. Mary's on the line. Hello, Mary. Hi, Ali. Ali, I was a victim over 30 years ago, albeit down south. The justice system let me down terribly. My biggest bugbear with the justice system, apart from all the uh, priorities to give to the offenders, 
is the fact that solicitors are allowed to pre-bargain for their clients. My attacker was convicted, was uh, charged with attempted murder. He pled guilty to the lesser charge of actually bodily harm and got a much reduced sentence. Mm-hmm. And it was three years youth custody, and he was out in eighteen months. No justice at all, really. And, and, and... No justice at all. In fact, I'll tell you, the only time justice happened was it was a neighbour, and after he got out, he started intimidating me, and the only time it stopped was when my brother came down to visit me and made it known that he was looking for him. And I just think that so many things that are happening nowadays... It's inciting people to take the law into their, their own, own hands. hands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also the way that the prisoners are treated, um, I mean, they get everything that's going. Uh, this business of legal aid, I think it's absolutely abhorrent. We have a guy who, who did a horrific murder, has had over a million pounds in legal aid while he's been inside... Uh, because he keeps making appeals about what he's being deprived of. He doesn't seem to think that he deprived this poor boy of his life. Indeed. Mary, thank you again for, for your comment. Keep them coming in, uh, 033 or indeed on text 61054. Start your message with Ali and hashtag Scotland's Talking uh, if you're on Twitter. Now, if you were listening to Scotland's Talking last week, you may remember Eric from Dundee who called in to complain about the way the city was being portrayed in a TV documentary on drugs. The problem we've got is that Dundee's been through in a really bad light here after the attempts to get Dundee on its feet and, and doing a lot of things. This programme was ridiculous. I actually live in a Lockheed area. And to be honest with you, the interviewed people here in Lockheed and in and, and Birkhoff Cemetery, it was ridiculous that this programme even got aired, in my opinion. And what I'd done to Dundee was not a very good, nice thing. There's a lot of great people in Dundee. Unfortunately, like any other place, we've got problems with certain people that take drugs. That was Eric on the programme last week, so we caught up with the writer and rapper Darren McGarvey, who presented the programme, and asked him what he had to say to accusations he's showing Dundee in a bad light. Well, it's interesting because our framing of that area was absolutely governed by the people that we spoke to in that area. And we tried to show it from both sides, you know, the people with the lived experience of addiction, as well as the people who have been affected by some of the crime that's associated with drug problems. One of the things I noticed about Lockheed was that the high street is dominated by services for drug users to get support. And while I commend the existence of those services, it shows you a lot about the level of thought that goes into the town planning, where ultimately what you're doing is you've got large numbers of people on methadone congregating in the city centre, which deters people from going into the city centre. And these create, this creates tensions in the community. But I accept any criticism that we haven't been going around pointing a camera at all the gentrification projects that are going on in Dundee. Uh, I know a lot of people would prefer us to talk about that and have a vested interest in that being focused on. Uh, but we've had enough stuff about the V&A. Uh, and unfortunately, there are problems in communities, and that's what the programme was set out to cover. We've had enough stuff about the V&A. Really, Darren? 
Yes, every area has their problems. Uh, talking of the v this weekend the city of Dundee is marking a year since the opening of the £80 million v Museum. Happy birthday to the v and all those who have supported it and work in it as well. We were told it would put Dundee back on the world map and make it one of the UK's most must-see destinations. So... Has that promise been fulfilled? Has it made a difference? John Alexander, the leader of the City Council, told us yes. Um, I'm just proud of what we've managed to achieve on the back of the v I suppose. And for me, it's a lot more about, I suppose, the, the stuff that you can't touch or feel or count. It, it's things like, you know, the, the sense of pride, the confidence that the city has. I think the v has been a game changer for the city in so many ways. And, and often the, the kind of focus is quite narrow. So we talk about visitor numbers or overnight stays. And those are important things. But actually, its impact is so much more significant. I mean, I know... Personally, through the conversations I have, the meetings that I take, um, where investors and developers and businesses and visitors alike are all talking about how exciting Dundee is, how interesting uh, the place is and how interested they are in coming here and, you know, whether it's setting up shop or, or like I say, visiting. Um, there is a real excitement, a real buzz, and I think that's all on the back of the V&A and the kind of wider ambition we have for the city. Our reporter Callum Clark called in on Viv Hamilton who runs the Quirky Coo gift shop nearby. We've been here nearly six years now um, and the whole idea for us to come down this way is because we knew what was happening with the waterfront um, and since the v has opened, the footfall in the street has, has certainly increased. We're noticing a lot of foreign visitors, a lot of people who maybe haven't been to Dundee in say 10, 20 years being pulled back through the city. And everyone seems to, to love the v Obviously, there's a few um, differences in opinions, but, yeah, it's definitely bringing the tourists and visitors to the city, which is great for everybody. Do you roughly know how much it's gone up in terms of football? Probably between 30 and 40%, um, definitely. Um, looking at looking at um, customers coming through our door, yeah, which um, for us is great. Touch wood. It was said in the lead-up to the v that it could attract half a million visitors a year. There were those, of course, that said that would never happen. Well, on their first birthday, they have had 850,000 people through the door. And there are new hotels, there are new restaurants, and there's a lot going on. And, and if you are going to the city of Dundee to see the v don't just go to the v There's the Discovery Ship next door. There's the Verdant Works, which you really should visit. And I have to say, as a resident of that, of the City of Discovery for many years, uh, I was, um, it was remiss of me not to, to visit the Verdant Works, and I have now done a couple of times. It's a fascinating place and it tells the story of the jute mills and the workers, etc. So it's something else to see as well. But the question is, uh, at the, the end of the year, I, I, I suppose, we, we ask, it was, we were told that it would... Um, it would give us an increase in visitors. It would be good for the city of Dundee and it would be good for Scotland as a whole. Well, what do you think? We're all entitled to our opinions and that's what this programme's all about. So whether you've been to the V&A or, or, you know, did you enjoy what you, you visited and what you've seen? Did you not? Let us know.
Some comments on social media regarding uh, the V&A and uh, one that comes in from June said, my relatives came across from Australia and the first thing they wanted to do was visit the V&A. They'd read so much about it and they were not disappointed. They and we uh, went round the V&A for the first time and it was when the um, ship's Uh, Oh, yes, the cruise exhibition was on. Yeah, I visited that one as well. And it was absolutely fabulous. So thank you very much for that. Tom says, uh, I came up from Glasgow to uh, Dundee, drove up to do, my wife and I, to do the visit of the V&A. Must say I felt a little bit let down. It was like a large cafe. It is. As you go in, there is a large cafe and there's a restaurant up the stairs as well. But there's a a lot to see. Um, But thank you for your comments. And uh, I think that um, your point was maybe taken uh, yesterday by the uh, reasonably new chairman of the the board uh, of trustees uh, that look after the the V&A. He was saying the other day on the the anniversary, the eve of the anniversary, that um, their aim was to make the building as astonishing inside as it is outside with a programme of events taking place. And uh, visitor numbers, as I say, have surpassed expectations over the last year. And they're hoping to offer more to keep visitors coming back than to offer more inside. So thank you for that. Uh, just click on here, a couple of more coming in. Um, oh, we're going back on to the uh, sentencing now. I don't know how many more people have to take the law into their own hands. Horrific acts inflicted on their loved ones that they never get over. Yes, life should be life. And that's from Jesse. Jesse, thank you very much. And another one that says here, I was walking through the city centre of Dundee the other day. I am a Dundonian and I'm proud of my city. And I never thought that I would see a group of Japanese tourists with someone at the front holding a board up, guiding them through the city. There was about a dozen of them, all with cameras out, uh, down at the V&A, and then I spotted them later round about the desperate Dan statue getting their photographs taken. So it's it's all different. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for that. Uh, let's go to Anne next. Hello, Anne. Hello. 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 Sorry, did Hello. I wake you up there? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anne, what's your thoughts on the V&A? Well, well I went down there yesterday with a, a friend uh, that came through from New Zealand. Right. Now, I had been to the V&A before, and I was quite impressed with the architecture of it and that, so he wanted to see it. So we went into the cafe up the stairs, and we went to, to sit down in the cafe, and we said we were just wanting coffee, and the girl said, well, you can't sit there because you can't sit out, uh, you can't sit uh, and look out the window unless you're having a meal. And I said to her, that's ridiculous. She says, so you have to go to the blue zone, which was like about three or four back, and I got moved out of that saying I was sitting in the wrong seat in the blue zone, which I was really, really annoyed at that, and I thought that's really sort of class distinction in my eyes. Mm. Um, I s- <laughs> but you went to, you, you say you went upstairs. That's a restaurant. It's not a coffee shop. Yeah, but they also serve tea and coffee. They tell you that. Do they? All right. Yes. I've never been. I'm just, you know, I, I've just been there, but I've never actually been into the restaurant. Now, I, I've had a coffee down the stairs uh, because we broadcast one day from there. So, yeah. Um, yeah uh, but in, in general, then, you were a, a bit disappointed. What about the person from New Zealand that was with you? What was, 
he couldn't believe uh, what he was hearing. Mm-hmm. He says, why do we... Because he was one to, to overlook the, the tea, because he was a visitor from New Zealand, but originally from Dundee. And he was so impressed with the v But he was kind of disgusted when that happened. Right, yeah. Okay. So as far as the v itself was concerned, though, are you impressed with it? Yes, I like the building, yeah. You like the yeah. building. And what about yeah. what's inside the building, apart from the restaurants and the coffee shop? I think it's a big empty space. Right. It needs more inside it, doesn't oh, it? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Definitely more for the tourists, yeah. I, I, I and s- for the Dundee folk, because it's us that live here. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I, I think they, they've got that. I think they're, they're accepting that, that they need to have more inside uh, to have right. a look at, yeah. Yeah, and okay. they pick the clientele by the prices that they charge. <laughs> but it's free to get in. Yeah, just to get in. But everything else is expensive once you're in. Okay, Anne, thank you very much. Thanks for that. So there we are. There's uh, Anne Stott there. Here's another one from Willie. He said, uh, I visited Dundee, only coming across from Fife, but uh, I visited to have a look at the V&A, and uh, the building outside is absolutely great, fantastic. What Dundee does need to do is, in the new restaurants and bars that have opened up, there needs to be some more staff training because they're not very pleasant in some of these places. Okay, bad bar staff and bad manners. Um, OK, thanks for that. I've had a couple of instances of that myself and totally agree with you. Uh, my friends from Australia stated what a horrible place Edinburgh is. <laughs> We're not talking about Edinburgh, Jennifer, but we can do if you want. Um, really? That's astonishing. Astonishing people's views, isn't it? Yeah. OK. Here's another one that says, uh, I visited v and Discovery with my grandson recently when the gaming exhibition was on. That was a huge success. And my grandson, who's 22 and studying gaming, uh, and he loved it. We visited the city centre and thoroughly enjoyed the whole city of Dundee. That's from Marjorie from Clydebank. Marjorie and Clydebank, thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Kieran's been taking the calls and looking at other parts of social media like um, Twitter. Yes, you are correct. And I have one comment here from Chester. Regarding the marches, he was saying that people want a blanket ban on marches. This will include Gay Pride, Armed Forces Day, Yes Campaign and the likes. But the only parade that seems to cause serious disorder are the ones that involve the Republican and Loyalist um, parades that come through Glasgow. Right, right. And and I suppose with the, the, the marches in Glasgow being banned this week, that's what mm-hmm. started the whole conversation yes. off and that's what we wanted to see. But um, I'm still looking at, as people have been coming in with the comments and you you give me that one there, whether it's a, a yes or a no or a, a maybe, mm-hmm. uh, no comments. I've been ticking them off as they've been coming in. Uh, do you want, uh, is it time to, to get the marches off the streets for good was what I was asking. And I was including it, all marches, um, you know, whether it be gay pride or whatever. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's what I, I was looking at, um, and it's still sitting at fifty-fifty. That's quite good, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah split round the middle. Split down the middle. It's not often our listeners do that. Make it easy <laughs> for us. Right down the middle. Right. Okay. What else have you got? And what, what have the twits been saying? Well, I've got. <laughs> I wouldn't call them twits. <laughs> um, I've got one more here about the VNA. Um, this comes from Roddy. He says it's just a shame that the financial benefit of the VNA hasn't filtered throughout the rest of the city. The council seem to be pumping all the money into the waterfront, but not the rest of the city. Mm. Yeah, um, again, 
as living in the city, I understand that. There are certain areas that do need some help. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, initially, for going for years without any help at all, I think to, to concentrate on the waterfront um, was certainly, in my opinion, the thing to do. And it's coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. It's still young. It's still time for it to come through. And, and But I do understand what they're saying, you know, when you, you've got... And maybe in the future... It'll- possibly filter through indeed, in the end. Indeed. I think the council's decision of closing uh, Camperdown Golf Course, which they made a couple of weeks ago, will be closing in, in the, the next few months. Um, from a financial point of view, from the figures they're talking about that it's costing them to run it, I understand that. But there are some people that's, you know, yes, you can spend all this money in the v but you're taking away the facilities from us. Mm-hmm. It will rage on, no doubt, and it will be a subject we'll come back to. That is it. We have run out of time on Scotland's Talking today. Thank you very much indeed for your company. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking.